This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now, it's the rest stop. Brad Restituto. Thanks for joining us live on episode five of the rest up here on this Thursday. We come to you every Tuesday and Thursday live and I'm here live in Las Vegas along with Spencer the Wiz here on Chris Landry football Twitch and you can go to twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football to see us here live and we're here nine to ten Pacific time every Tuesday and Thursday. We've got a good show for you today opening night of the NFL football kicked off tonight is defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs were at Arrowhead taking on the Houston Texans, and they closed that out and got the 34-20 to victory tonight. So we'll hit some of the recap of that game. Here locally in Las Vegas, NHL playoff hockey, the Western Conference Finals, Dallas Stars, Vegas Golden Knights. That game went to overtime, and the Vegas Golden Knights fell 3-2 to tonight to the Dallas Stars, now trailing that series two games to one. Spencer the Wiz will give a quick recap of that game. We'll also hit some NBA playoff preview as we've got it coming down to the conference finals. The Lakers and Clippers have a commanding series lead and look to close it out. And, of course, a fantastic game six between Toronto and Boston. Yesterday went to double overtime, so we'll preview those games and also the conference finals previews that's coming up in the NBA. Myself and Spencer the Wiz will run down the entire opening week one schedule of the NFL happening this Sunday. And it's a great one, folks. And it's unprecedented time. No preseason, no fans for the most part. Some great games will give you all of your betting knowledge and put some coin in your pocket if you like to bet as we'll run down every game and give you our picks against the spread and you can follow along and we'll give you some analysis on each of those games as well and also be staying tuned after that because there will be a new brand new edition of the believers confessions uh so it'll be a good one again tonight a little different than what it was before 
So please make sure you stay tuned to the entire show tonight as we come to you from 9 to 10 o'clock. And if you do miss us live here on twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football, make sure you subscribe to Landry Football's conference call. And you can find that on any of the podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Audio Boom, or go to chrislandryfootball.com. And under the Landry Football's conference call umbrella, at that point you can search the rest stop and you can find our show and listen to it anytime but of course the audio visual version will be right here on twitch and also on my live social media platforms on twitter and also on facebook so we'll get right to it spencer the wiz joining me as always and you can follow him on twitter at spencer the wiz and also myself on twitter and instagram at brad the believer spence great to have you for another thursday my man it's great to be here on a thursday first night of football That's right. So look, the Chiefs started off with an impressive 34-20 victory. They were in control most of the game. And the final score is not indicative of the control that Kansas City had most of the game. As uh, Houston started off with the first score, David Johnson, their new running back that they acquired in DeAndre Hopkins trade from Arizona, got in the end zone early. But Kansas City scored all the way up and down from that point forward until the fourth quarter. And they end up winning covering the spread and if you like the over you got there by the hook with a late touchdown as that over under was 53 and a half and with a late touchdown by the Texans it finished at 54 but like we talked about it Kansas City covered and it looks like they covered pretty easily Spence uh what did you see for your eyes and it was what we expected what you expected what we called we weren't big fans of Bill O'Brien although Deshaun Watson carries that team he is the straw that stirs the drink Bill O'Brien is not on the same level as Andy Reid. And in week one with no preseason, Kansas City controlled this game and got the easy victory to start the season off 1-0 defending their Super Bowl title. Yeah, quite frankly, the Texans just aren't a very good football team. And yes, they are playing the Kansas City Chiefs. They are the best team in football, so that's a given. But over the past couple years, Texans have just given up too much capital, too much talent. Laramie Tunzel, if I'm not mistaken, they traded for who is a top 10 left tackle. I'll give you that. But they give up two first-round picks for him. Now, on the same side of the ball, you give up your DeAndre Hopkins, your best receiver. You don't get a first-round pick. You get an old running back. Given uh, David Johnson had a pretty good game, but you know the Texans are just a collection of guys at this point, and it's not enough to have a collection of guys in football. Randall Cobb barely saw the field. He was supposed to be this like good free agent acquisition that they had. Brandon Cooks, I don't think, caught a pass. And... You know, they had their this tight end, this kid who had never heard of, who I guess had two touchdowns in the game, which is fine. Acres, if I'm not mistaken, his name is. It's just Bill O'Brien. The thing that just like comes out to me, and this is, I knew this was going to happen. You can't have a guy be your GM and your coach at the same time. It doesn't work in basketball. It doesn't work in football. And w- when you're juggling all these things, it just makes the locker room, I think, even just worse, too. I think you kind of see on the field guys just don't really trust each other because when your coach is the same guy who's on the phone call right after the game calling for trades, I mean, it's just going to show up on the field, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you, Spence. I agree with you, especially with Bill O'Brien. He's shown, at least to my eyes and a lot of football fans' eyes, that he's not able to do both jobs successfully. Is you you can't you don't want to waste a Deshaun Watson, a guy in his prime and and not keep the type of guys around him offensively and defensively that are going to help propel the Texans in a very winnable division and the division they're in with Indianapolis, with Jacksonville, uh, with Tennessee, that's a division they should win year in and year out with Deshaun Watson leading the quarterback charge for the Texans. And for them not doing that year in and year out 
Uh, they had a great run last year. They probably should have beat Kansas City as they had a big lead in that first half. It just continues to put the scrutiny and the pressure on Bill O'Brien, the fact that he's going to get the blame when they have a big lead like that and they fall through. So uh, it, it's tough. And, and Adam Joseph checks in, says, you nailed it, Spence. Uh, yep. I guess I didn't nail it. I guess I was wrong. And didn't say it all, but I could have swore I did. Okay. <laughs> I get all the credit on your show. You get all the credit. Uh, Adam Joseph at Opportunity Village, of course, hosts his Opportunity Opportunity Village picks. So you follow him on Twitter, uh, Adam Joseph, and you can see all the work he does at Opportunity Village. And, of course, the picks, the uh, nice panel of picks you'll have this year rolling to the season, as I was a part of some of that last year and did some picks with him and some other guys here around town but uh yeah um look uh <laughs> with the um so i was i guess i was on the texans i don't know i i, I have to go i don't back think you were i think you agreed with me but I, i'm pretty sure i did but look <laughs> uh impressive start impressive start for kansas yep. city and nick nice a big niners fan who is uh tuned in hopefully he's still in stick around nick we're gonna get into your niners and uh look i think they're in prime position to put themselves uh in another spot to represent the NFC for a Super Bowl berth. We'll talk about them when we get into the rundown of week one's games. Um, but nice win for Kansas City tonight, Spence, in opening night, defending their title, starting off 1-0. Rookie running back Clyde Edwards-Alare, national championship winner at LSU, his senior, or I, I believe it was his senior season, drafted in the first round. Um, was put into a starting role with with the situation that happened with COVID and everything else. And look, Edwards Alari had over 100 yards rushing, got in the end zone, um, and a, a nice start for the rookie. And it looks like with 34 points scored, the Chiefs didn't miss a beat with no preseason or anything like that. So what a great win against uh, a tough quarterback on the Texans side and, and some great momentum moving forward for Kansas City with not a lot of, you would think, the type of distractions you're accustomed to with it not being a COVID-shortened offseason. So that's going to be an interesting narrative to follow, and I'm interested to see how it shapes up week one. Dave, keep listening because uh, I want to talk about you specifically here in a little bit. Uh, so I'm glad you're back in tonight. I know you were a part of the chat last week. I kind of want to revisit history and tell the audience about kind of uh, how long I've known you and uh, and – what's going on uh, now in both of our lives as uh, we've been, me and you have been big sports fans since we met um, Dave Perry, who, who chimed in and thinking the dolphins are going to be a contender this year. I disagree, not because I don't like the direction they're going uh, to talk about the dolphins real quick. Uh, Cause I do like the direction they're going. I think Brian Flores is absolutely the right guy for the job. I think the way that he's maneuvered uh, draft picks and trading Minka Fitzpatrick last year to get a first-round pick and some of the draft picks he acquired this year. I think he's building that roster the right way. He knows the kind of guys he wants in there. I think the Dolphins will absolutely compete for that division down the road. I just don't think it's going to be this year. I just think their roster is very deficient in a lot of key areas, and it's going to be tough for them to compete um, with the Bills and the Patriots. And I think the Patriots, they just proven – with Bill Belichick as the head coach, that it's going to be they, that they can make moves that a lot of people won't agree with, um, whether it's in the past of Willie McGinnis or um, the big defensive tackle, Vince Wilfork, Richard Seymour, the list goes on of guys that he's cut loose and still been able to win without them. Tom Brady's a different story, so we'll see how the Patriots fare with Cam Newton under center. But speaking specifically of the Patriots and the Dolphins, they will meet up in week one. So we'll break down that game 
here in a little bit. But Spence, I want to throw it back to you real quick to talk about here locally the playoff Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, they went to overtime tonight against the Dallas Stars. And anybody here in the Vegas Valley or just a sports fan in general, uh, we're me and Spencer are live here in Las Vegas and uh, our first ever inaugural pro sports team, homegrown the Vegas Golden Knights, represented us in the Stanley Cup Finals in their first year. Have an opportunity to get back. Is this this is year three, right, Spence? Or year this four? Is year three. This is year, year three. three. This is year three. I'm a little confused with the pandemic shortened season, but year three, the Vegas Golden Knights are three wins away from going back to the Western Cup. I'm sorry, going back to the Stanley Cup Finals. And the game they were expected to win tonight, they take it uh, a loss in overtime, three to two to the Dallas Stars. Uh, Robin Leonard gets the loss and goal for the Golden Knights. You watched this game tonight, Spence. Tell us your thoughts and how do you expect the series to play out moving forward with the Golden Knights down now two games to one? Yeah, uh, you know, Dallas is a great defensive team no matter what. They're just going to be successful. There's not going to be a high-scoring game. Three is probably the max that they're going to get in the Western Conference. Uh, the Golden Knights outplayed Dallas today. I, I think that goes without say. And look, it kind of proved my point that shots on goal mean nothing in hockey, in my opinion. It's about quality shots on goal. And to me, I know I say this all the time, I harp on it, but today, if you really watch hockey and you follow my opinion, I'm sure you've been watching a lot more than you have before. Max Petretti was the definitive worst player for the Golden Knights in this game. He was the only player who was negative two on the plus minus going into overtime and following the goal that tied it up 2-2, had a power play off of a, uh, you know, a miscalled challenge for the goal. So we go in the power play. He single-handedly killed our own power play, which could have brought us up. He had one really bad shot, and the second shot didn't even hit net. Ended up bouncing off the backboards, going off, and it wasted the rest of our penalty penalty time. It, he's a liability at this point, in my opinion. He had one good pass in the game, but making one good pass is not enough to win hockey games. And I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but uh, yeah, Leonard's playing great. It's not really on him. Uh, mental lapse, letting the team score 30 seconds into overtime, but yeah, it, to me, it, Max Pacioretty is the weak point of this uh, team. So, and, and it was kind of the narrative in the last series, Spence, when the Golden Knights lost a couple games, is they were the better team. They had analytically the better statistics. Uh, is that what you're seeing again in this series? Should should the Golden Knights get back on track and take control of this series, starting in Game Four? There's uh, the Golden Knights are a better team than Dallas, uh, top to bottom, in my opinion. It's just the, it's just the idea of not holding the ball too long or not taking stupid shots. Shea Theodore obviously is the best player on our team, but I think even he takes ill-advised shots, which I think is a legitimate criticism of him. Whether or not he has really great goals, I mean, that's that's one thing. But I think mentally this team shouldn't be, let's get 40 shots on goal. It should be, let's get 26 great shots on goal because statistically speaking, that's when they score more. Well, look, I want to get into some NBA playoff preview. Dave, I hope you're still listening because I'm going to hit the rewind button on you real quick. So Dave Perry, who commented on the Dolphins in the comments, and he was active in the in the chat last week. Uh, Spence, I've known Dave Perry since the sixth grade. Okay, that's where me and him met with his uh, his brother, Dennis, and we met in Orlando where we grew up. We went to middle school together. And um, that was almost 25 years ago, Spence, close, close to but almost pretty much before you were born is when it I was met before Dave, I was born when I met Dave and me and, and me and Dave, um, man, we had some good times. Uh, so Dave and I, and his brother, we were friends. Uh, we went to middle school together, sixth, seventh and eighth grade and ninth grade. And then they moved to Daytona beach area, um, in 10th grade. And so we, we did not continue to go to school together at that point. We stayed in touch for throughout high school. And after that, uh, 
but man, we had some good times. We used to play basketball in front of Dave's yard, but we were, we, we loved sports from the very beginning in sixth grade. Dave and I, we would always talk basketball. We were big magic fans. And of course, in that time, 20 something years ago, Spence, that was the Shaq and Penny days, dude. This is when the Orlando magic first got on the map. Okay. So we're not talking the Dwight Howard, Tracy McGrady days. We're going back to Shaq Penny, the heyday of the magic 3d Dennis Scott. And when the magic went to the finals against the Rockets um, and Nick Anderson, of course, missed those three free throws. So that was our heyday back in our basketball fandom. And we used to play all the time. Uh, and we played intramurals in ninth grade, Dave. And I, I think we're, I, I believe Dave, we were on the same team. Uh, we had some upsets, man. When me and Dave played some basketball, a lot of guys underestimated us and we got some good wins. Spence, you've played with me now and that's fast forwarding 25 years later. I'm not what I was when I was, 15 years old, but you know, I can hit some shots every now and then you've seen this. Um, and I did, I, I mean, I hate to expose you, but I did take you down in horse pretty easily. Uh, you did. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. I get a little juice left, but uh, to, to continue to go with, uh, with, with Dave. So me and Dave and Dennis were also huge wrestling fans. They used to have a trampoline in their backyard and we would get guys from the neighborhood and put on like fake wrestling matches. And we were huge wrestling marks uh, back Back in the day, I mean, we would like go to Dave's and watch the pay-per-views. And I remember like Lex Luger back in the, in the 90s getting hit with like a plastic trash can that bent about 34 inches and him writhing in pain. And we just had a really great time. So it's just crazy to me to connecting with Dave on here as I'm you know doing this podcast. Like I said, 25 years later, I, I believe Dave's been married to his wife, Lindsay, for over a decade. And you can see in his profile picture, his son, uh, Trey, that I, I think he's got to be like close to 10. Uh, so it's just wild to me to be able to hit rewind and think about that. You know, a guy that I've been friends with uh, a long time. We haven't always stayed in touch throughout that time, but somebody I've known since the sixth grade and now fast forwarding 24 years later uh, to see him apart and supporting me here on, on the rest stop. It's really cool. So I just wanted to kind of hit rewind and reflect on that a little bit with Dave and uh, tell him my appreciation for checking in uh, to the podcast I'm doing. And then of course, reminisce a little bit about some of our uh, basketball games back in the day. We definitely were huge sports fanatics and we, we had some great laughs and, uh, and I'm still a wrestling Mark, Dave. I don't know about you and if you've implemented that with your son, but I still and my girlfriend can attest to this. I'm a huge Orange Cassidy fan, Spence. And if you don't know who Orange Cassidy is, YouTube his ass because he's a legend. He's a part of AEW, the new wrestling organization run by Cody Rhodes. It's fantastic. If you've ever liked wrestling in your past, and Dave, I'm telling you, if you don't watch it anymore, the time to get back on board is now. AEW is amazing, and I'm cutting a promo for them right now. Orange Cassidy is legendary. Chris Jericho runs the show. They're doing it without fans, and it's a great watch. I enter entertain myself weekly as I DVR my AW and of course uh NXT. So um um still a big wrestling mark as I was back in the day. We don't talk about it much uh on the show because uh I, we should though Spence because anytime you go on Twitter and you go to trending when there's live when there's wrestling wrestling's trending it's top 10 every time they're on TV. So you say what you want about them but that just convinces me that there's tons of closet wrestling fans that aren't out there. Uh, my girlfriend, uh, she's not a wrestling fan. I'm trying to get her on board, but she's a closet Orange Cassidy fan. Okay. So everybody out there that may or may not like wrestling, uh, make sure that you YouTube Orange Cassidy in his highlights because he's amazing and you'll be a fan if you're not now. So we'll transition off of that, of our wrestling fandom and my rewind there. And Spence, let's preview the NBA playoffs, okay, because we're coming up onto the conference finals and we had some great games last night. 
and of course the Lakers tonight with a nice victory. Let's let's start with last night. Game six of the Eastern Conference Finals, Toronto taking on Boston. Some were saying one of the best games in the entire bubble as it went to double overtime and a clutch shot by, by Kyle Lowry gave the 125-122 victory to Toronto and they forced a game seven. Uh, and look, looked like Boston was in control of this series. Toronto, championship pedigree, we're not going to give up. You said it also, Spence, that they were going to a, to a game seven and we'll see a game seven. Toronto, Boston, uh, how does game seven shape up? And for what you saw of the final overtimes of that game, some huge shots hit on both sides. It ended up being the last big shot hit by Toronto as they got the victory. Yeah, I just, I, I do see the Celtics take care of business. I don't think it's actually going to be a very close game. Uh, the thing with Kyle Lowry, you can't let him kind of go around and do his thing because he will be successful. What he's obsessed with doing, and if you'll notice this, and if they're successful on defense, they'll do this again. He's obsessed with taking the turnaround jump shot from the elbow at late in the shot clock. They can force him to do that. He'll have one of his 40% shooting nights. Fred Van Vliet is honestly due for another bad shooting night. It's Like I said, on a consistent basis, both of those guys shoot like 42 41% field goal percentage overall. And you just can't have that in a game seven. Now you can have that in a game seven if you have Kyle uh, dominates and takes over the game as the way, as he's able to do. But as we all know, that's not the case. I don't see Siakam doing something like that. I can see Jalen Brown doing that. I can see Tatum doing that. I can see Campbell Walker doing that. Honestly, it shouldn't have come to this game seven, but I think it comes out of literal respect out of Toronto that they're just coached so well and they play so hard together that they made this game seven. If the Celtics lose this, a conversation somewhere has to happen because there's no reason they should lose this series at all. I agree with you. I agree with you. And I think they've got to really get all of their focus together for game seven. Uh, but it, it's it's going to be a dogfight because, look, it, it's clear that Toronto has all the momentum. And I talked about that championship pedigree. That is going to be an important factor in their confidence level going in. We know these guys can play. We know Siakam can play. Lowry can play. Van Fleet. So whatever shots they were missing or mistakes they were making in the first few games, um, they clearly have the confidence that if they can come close to putting uh, their best game of the series together, they can come out on top and, and get the comeback and represent again for the second straight year in the Eastern Conference Finals against Miami. Uh, and we'll get back to that preview in a little bit, but let's go to the next game that was on yesterday after that one. Uh, another Western Conference, or I'm sorry, a Western Conference Final game, um, I think it was game four yesterday, Spence, between the Clippers and the Nuggets. Very low-scoring game as the Clippers got the victory 96-85 over Denver. We talked about it. looks like Denver's legs are kind of spent, that their uh, mental and, and physical will is kind of worn a little bit after the how they've kind of fought and scratched through the bubble to get to where they're at now. Lakers, you mentioned the Lakers, may have hit a switch in the last game, Rondo was outstanding. LeBron James was re, looked rejuvenated as he was a monster on both sides of the floor. Um, why am I talking to Lakers? I just lost myself there for a second. Um, <laughs> Seamless transition. Yeah, Clippers. <laughs> right. Clippers. Uh, I'm sorry. So, so De Denver Clippers. Clippers uh, get the win yesterday in a low-scoring game over Denver. They take a commanding 3-1 to one lead in that series over Denver, like I was saying about Denver's legs being spent, uh, is the door shut now on on Denver? 
it, it looks like it looks like it's collision course between the Lakers and Clippers in the Western Conference Final. Um, the Clippers are so deep, and when they turn that switch on defensively, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, um, you got Zubats in the middle. Uh, he's not really much of a match against Jokic, but they're able to lock down Murray and keep him from going off. 86 points by the Nuggets, clearly their lowest output this entire bubble. Uh, looks like they're done. Like Dave said, I agree. Uh, they did overachieve. Uh, I, I would love to see Jamal Murray try to you know, make a comeback, but it, it looks like the door may be shut on Denver as uh, now it's a commanding 3-1 lead in this series for the, for the Clippers. Yeah, no one can beat the Clippers three games in a row. They're just that talented. It's impossible. Um, I, to say that the Nuggets have overachieved is I'm not on the same level as that. Conference finals will probably be overachieving for them. And ultimately what it comes down to is the Nuggets are tired. Like you mentioned, that's certainly a factor, is no doubt. Uh, the other factor is the roster. It's just not good enough. Gary Harris has had, has had a bad year. We already talked about Michael Porter Jr. And... Um, Gosh, I can't uh, – Paul Millsap, excuse me, he's just been terrible. He went 0 for 1 in the entire game as a starter, which is just really bad. He's one of those guys who the game has just passed over time who was like kind of this all-star with the Atlanta Hawks, but this mid-range heavy game, his post game isn't even all there. It, it just doesn't It just doesn't work anymore, and that's he'll probably be out of the league in the next two years, if not after this season. I believe he's a free agent. Uh, it, it, it's, been, it's been good, but you can't – you can't go down a three-one series, win it, and then do it again. It's your legs physically; it's impossible. Uh, you mentioned Michael Porter Jr. He had some comments after Game Four. Uh, some people on Twitter were saying throwing his teammates, coaching staff under the bus a little bit, saying guys should have been more involved. Were you able to hear those comments? And did you have any thoughts? Uh, Dame Lillard commented on Twitter about them, saying he was wrong, um, and he'll learn from it. Did you have any thoughts on that, or did you see that, or have an opinion? He's just a young kid. This is his rookie season. He's mad that they're down 3-1 again. It's totally understandable. I'm sure a lot of veterans feel the same way, but they have the wherewithal, right, to know not to say stuff like that. Piss off your teammates. Your coach probably benched you for the last game of the series, and you'll go on to the next offseason remembering why you shouldn't do that anymore, and he'll go from there. The preempted favorites in the Western Conference to meet up in the finals beforehand were the Clippers and Lakers, and it looks like they're on a collision course. The only other series still going on is the Lakers and Rockets, which was completed game four tonight. 110-100, Lakers got the victory. The other series, of course, is final in the Eastern Conference as the Heat took care of the Bucks in five games, and they closed that out yesterday. So the Lakers spends tonight 110-100 over the Rockets. Now what I was saying before about <laughs> what you were the Lakers turning that switch, Rondo a great game, LeBron a, a great game. In game three, uh, game four tonight, they get a win. Anthony Davis is perfect from the free throw line. Big factor, as, as we've talked about the whole time, the this, this size is just such a difference between Houston and the Lakers. And unless the Rockets are really going to go crazy from the three-point line, scoring 100 points a game, 90-something points a game is not going to get it done. Lakers take a commanding lead in the series 3-1 to one tonight. Looks like they can wrap it up in game five. And like we talked about the collision course, what were your thoughts on tonight's game and do the Rockets have any opportunity to climb back in this series? 
again, I, I think the Lakers are another team that you just can't beat three games in a row. Maybe two games, that's for sure. But three games is just too much. And it ultimately comes down to, like we talked about, Anthony Davis has no matchup. P.J. Tucker, maybe, but he's too short. And then you have, what, are you going to put Robert Covington, you know, on LeBron as they have been? He may be the size-wise, you know, able to match up with LeBron, but physically he has no chance. So that's where the advantage comes in. And you and you alluded to it a little bit earlier. Having Rondo back is a surprise to me. I'll, I'll say this. He's been playing incredibly well. And the fact that he can come off of injury after not playing for a while and just come in and do your thing is really impressive. Helps LeBron not have to do full-time point guard duties, which has helped him a lot. Uh, stamina-wise, which I think he has used that energy to exert on defense, which has ultimately just dominated. And you would think, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis don't have matchups. Maybe James Harden and Russell Westbrook don't, but Russell Westbrook has just been an absolute liability. They're, They're better off without him at this point. I don't know in the long term. Honestly, Westbrook just doesn't fit in Mike D'Antoni's system. It was a horrible trade to start off with. They should have never traded all those assets to give him. And it's just biting them in the butt now, even though they did beat OKC. Yeah, tough matchup for Houston. And it's a tough Western Conference. We knew that at the beginning of the season, that it was going to be an uphill climb for Houston to get over the huge hurdle of, of a Kawhi and Paul George-led Clippers team. And, of course, LeBron and Anthony Davis with the Clippers. So that being said, let's give – a preview of the conference finals of how we see it shaping up. We'll start in the East where Boston's locked their seat in to be a representative in that finals. The winner of tomorrow's Toronto Boston game seven will be the team that faces Miami in the Eastern conference finals. Let's start off. If the favorite who Boston is by a small margin, if they get there facing Miami, how they match up. Um, I think they match up. Well, I think Boston's three Tatum, Brown and Kemba Walker are a really tough handle for the Miami Heat. And if you could contain Jimmy Butler, uh, I think Boston should be the favorite in that series. And I would say they win in seven or six games that Boston would win. What are your thoughts if the Heat, who are going to be rested, match up and play the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals? Yeah, that's that's a really tough matchup to analyze. Jimmy Butler will most likely guard Jason Tatum. We know he's not opposed to sliding down a spot to guard the, their best player. Even if he starts at shooting guard on defensively, I think they'll switch, which will be really good. So I don't think Tatum will be as effective as he is in this game or as he is in the Toronto series necessarily. Other than that, I, I don't know. I mean, Miami just has a bunch of really talented players, uh, role players given, but sometimes that's enough. And obviously they've made it work to this point. They're in the conference finals where the weak point comes in, I think they're going to depend on Kendrick Nunn, who's just been absolutely awful in the bubble and the playoffs in general. So if there is a weak point, I think it's that Marcus Smart and Kendrick Nunn matchup. I, I think Miami certainly has the weapons to beat anybody. It's just a matter of can you get some of those young guys, like you mentioned, Nunn, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, are they going to be able to maximize their shots offensively? Goran Dragic certainly is an X factor. The guy is sensational when healthy. Uh, so that should be an interesting matchup against Kemba Walker, offense versus defense, defense versus offense for both of those guys. Uh, let's see. Let's move on and see if Toronto advances, how they would match up against Miami. I think if Toronto can make this comeback and win in game seven, the momentum swing is enormous for them going into this series against Miami. And I would give them the edge in that series if they were to win a game seven where they came back in the fashion they came back against Boston given that Lowry and and company is healthy. uh, I I would like Toronto to come out of that series, the victor, uh, especially given the momentum factor that I just mentioned. 
Oh, I, I totally agree. I think Toronto has a better matchup with Miami than the Celtics do. Uh, Siakam at his size would definitely, he would definitely have the advantage over Jay. You want to talk about, you know, Marcus Saul even would have a heyday against Miami, who is just really weak at the center position. Um, although Bam Adebayo, he plays a power forward position, so maybe he would be guarding him, although I think that'd be a little bit of a waste. So, and then you have, like, Ibaka, I think, would be a great matchup for Adebayo. I don't think he'd be able to cook nearly as much as he would against the Celtics. So, and then you talk about Fred Van Vliet. He would often, he, you know, Marcus Smart's not going to be able to offensively take as much advantage over Kedrick Dunn. But you got Fred Van Vliet. That is an absolute mismatch. And that would be probably the, you know, pivot point of the whole series. Spence, let's move over to the Western Conference Finals, where it's not in stone yet, but it looks like it's a collision course between the Lakers and the Clippers. So let's preview that being the matchup. And they were the favorites coming in, Clippers and Lakers, and they've made it. It looks like they will be making it there. They've, they've both got one game to conclude their semifinal series. Let's assume they do meet up. You talked about it on Tuesday's show, and we talked about it before, the switch that it looked like LeBron hit and the chemistry and cohesiveness the Lakers seem to be playing with right now. Wow. I mean, if they can play and get the contributions they're getting out of Rondo and Green can knock down some shots, KCP – if he gets any run, we'll knock down shots. Kuzma, if they play like they're playing with Anthony Davis, I, I'm going to lean with the Lakers. I wouldn't have said that before, but the way that they're playing right now, look, Le- LeBron, when he goes next level, he's going to get my money bet on him because we know what he's capable of doing. And with the addition of Davis and Rondo playing like he's been playing, man, I, I, I'm agreeing with you that that switch would make them the favorite. Do you agree? I am leaning Lakers, and there are times where I flip-flop, but – to me, the most vital point of this series will be coaching. And honestly, I think Frank Vogel can outcoach um, Clippers coaches. Help me out here. Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers, geez. Uh, Doc Rivers has been outcoached in this very playoffs. He was outcoached against the Maverick a couple games. And a series they should have swept very easily, in my opinion. So as much as Frank Vogel is not the best coach in the world, he has shown a tremendous ability to adjust after game one's and keep that game plan consistent enough to dominate the rest of these series. So uh, I give all the advantage to the Lakers until I see otherwise on the court. You mentioned Frank Vogel, Spence, and he's someone that's kind of flown under the radar. LeBron James has been known, especially in his first year with the new team, to at times be really difficult on the, the incumbent coaches coming in, coaching for him. We have heard none of that with Frank Vogel, and that speaks very uh, vibrantly of Frank Vogel and his staff. So you mentioned it quite impressive, the adjustments and schematically what Frank Vogel is able to do with that Lakers team. So it's going to be bottom line. It's going to be a great series to watch. Uh, so the, I think these bubble playoffs have been fantastic. In my opinion, we both love NBA basketball. So it's easy for us to say that, but there really has been some great competitive games where you thought, Oh, we're going to see a bunch of sloppy basketball. You've seen a lot. What shined out more to me is the really, uh, tough shot making and great players that we've seen more so than bad basketball. So it's going to be fun to watch Spence and we're going to have some good conference series on both sides, regardless if it's Miami versus Boston, Miami versus Toronto. And then it looks to be uh, quite simply Lakers and Clippers representing the West to finish our basketball talk. Some news that came out the other day, Oklahoma city after totally surprising people after they made that trade, with Westbrook that you talked about, some of the Vegas sports books had them somewhere around 500 to one to win the whole thing. And for them to get to the playoffs and do what they did, uh, Billy Donovan got a lot of mention for coach of the year. 
along with Nick Nurse. He's out now as Oklahoma City head coach. His contract extended. What what is Oklahoma City thinking there, Spence? And what do you think Billy Donovan's next move may be? Yeah, it is a weird place to be in, honestly. They didn't fire him, so his contract was just up, and they're just like, yeah, we don't want to resign you. Like, I don't know. I mean, you can't, your expectations were really to make the second round of the playoffs, but I can get it. I mean, he was in years before and he showed an inability to coach high level talent. Uh, he did coach Chris Paul, but Chris Paul is one of the most coachable players in the NBA. You know, in that time where he had uh, Carmelo Anthony um, and, Russ, and Westbrook, they just, it, nothing worked. And if you want to blame that on those two guys, I, I can understand that. But Maybe they just thought it was so adequate that they just didn't want to keep going with it. On some level, I can understand that. I, I don't personally agree. I think they could have extended him at least two years, but I think he'll be successful somewhere. Yeah, uh, I'm seeing what Dave's saying here, and I kind of agree with what he's saying. I think Oklahoma Oklahoma City realizes that they're going to have to rebuild, and I don't think Billy Donovan wants to do that. I, I think they've clearly overachieved this year, and with the Western Conference being as stacked that it is, uh, they're looking for the future. And Billy Donovan doesn't want to rebuild that way. I think that's why there was a mutual agreement for them to part ways. I personally agree with what Dave's saying and thinking Philadelphia may, may be a good fit for the fact that they've got an established team. Elton Brand, uh, the GM, former Duke alumni, former player himself. They've got the pieces there. And if anybody can work around those pieces, uh, I think Billy Donovan's the guy. And I think he would lean on the side of having – Simmons and Embiid together, even though a lot of people are talking about splitting them up. I think you've got to keep them together and continue to build around them. I, I thought they should have kept J.J. Redick. I thought he was huge as far as veteran leadership in that locker room, but they weren't willing to pay him the money. But I thought they had a lot more cohesiveness with him there. And if it weren't for Kawhi Leonard insane bounce on that three-point shot, it would have been the Sixers in the Eastern Conference Finals and not Toronto last year. Uh, so – Look, it's one bounce away. We know how that, that can match up. But I don't know. I, I'm hearing Maurice Cheeks could be a possibility in Philadelphia. Um, I'm, I'm hearing some other names floated around that aren't Billy Donovan. So we'll see how that shapes out as far as where Billy Donovan will go. I know we talked about there were some uh, whispers about the Bulls. I think the Bulls may be in, in a better position being in the Eastern Conference and moving forward. I think they've got some really good young pieces. Um I believe isn't Wendell Carter Jr. a part of their young core along with Zach Levine and Lori Markinson. I, I know you're not big on those names, but I think Lori Markinson is definitely a piece to build around if he can stay healthy. Zach Levine can fill it up with the best of them. So I think they've got some pieces there more so than OKC because I don't know that that Chris Paul returns to OKC next year. Uh, but you know, Eastern Conference wise, I think maybe that will be where Billy Donovan's next destination is. Is there any chance he goes back to college, the college rank Spence? Oh no, he he'll go somewhere in the East for sure. I think that goes without say. Like the thing with the East is that it's so wide open. Realistically speaking, Eric Spolster is a great coach. And don't get me wrong, but Miami's not talented enough to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Certainly, they wouldn't be close in the Western if they played in the Western Conference. So. If, I, if I'm him and I see a team like Philadelphia, I, I'm very intrigued. Now, Philadelphia has to punt their roster to the moon because all they care about is long athletic guys who can't shoot, which is a major problem in the modern NBA. Plus, they also signed Al Horford. And turns out two center lineups don't work in 2020. Who would have known? 
uh, all around. Just Jason Richardson, I think, is also just a guy that you just like can't have on a team that's already structured the way it is with two guys, two starters who can't effectively shoot threes. But if he can go there and kind of work with the staff and make a few trades to get like decent shooters around Ben Simmons, they could e- they could easily make the finals next year, in my opinion. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how that shapes up. And as far as him going back to college, I think the the college coaching carousel is got to be in big question for anybody of big name because college sports is such a up in the air. We've already lost March Madness for one year. It's not a guarantee that we're going to have it this year. And we've seen the option now of high school players able to go to the G League and be a part of a team and make money. There's going to be other options. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if this pandemic has pushed Coach Shashevsky at Duke to maybe be wrapping up his career. But I think the college D1 job isn't going to have the luster it once had with established coaches. Um, okay, Corey's saying, who would you rather see, LeBron, Heat, versus, or Kawhi yeah. Raptors? Yeah, LeBron versus the Heat or Kawhi versus the Raptors. Oh, LeBron versus the Heat would be way better, in my opinion. That's a great question, Corey. I don't know how I feel about that yet. Uh, I'm I'm kind of a Kawhi hater as of this playoffs. Not a he's just really bothering me with his passive aggressive, Mister Robot, Mister I don't talk, I'm the claw. And then every time he gets to the lane, he flails and oh uh, and screams at the basket. It's so freaking aggravating. Like, dude, you're you're the strongest guy in the court. You're not getting pushed around like that. Stop flailing and flopping and trying to sell it. No one's buying this crap. I'm not buying it with him. Just just play the game, dude. Okay? I don't want to hear you uhing and eyeing. And that's well, so many what all these players are doing. He doesn't speak to anybody else. He barely talks. He reads off a script in his commercials. He's got no personality. Uh, he's clearly the fun guy. But his his flopping is ridiculous and his flailing. It's like every time he gets to the lane, he hooks somebody underneath and he throws his arms in the air. I'm sorry. If I was an NBA played player, I'd be a, a paid assassin. Because next time he got to the lane and flailed, I'd throw an, al- an elbow right to the jaw and end his night. So that's just the bottom line. That's how, I, that's how I feel Take about that it. that a little far, maybe, don't you think? Well, maybe a little far. But look, sometimes you got to do what you got to do in the NBA to move to the next round. So that's just how it is. Uh, so maybe I would uh, – to answer your question, Corey – I do think LeBron's the greatest. Maybe I would like I would like to see Kawhi take on the Raptors simply for the fact that's the freshest. And I think it's so fresh last year, especially with Toronto fans being really pissed off that Kawhi left and to see the fact that the Raptors could possibly get back to the finals without him. And I would love to see one of those guys step up and, and throw one of those elbows at Kawhi when he tried to flail in the lane. I would love to see a scrappy, intense series where Toronto was just so intense on repeating and they wanted to stick it to Kawhi so bad that they just absolutely played their best series and gave the Clippers a run for their money. Of course, that would, they would be a significant underdog, uh, but it would be fun to watch. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Dave, Dave agrees with what I said. Either way, it'd be good though. Look, you, you can't argue with seeing LeBron be as great as he has been for his entire career in his 17th season to do what he did the other night when he had the four blocks and uh, was just an animal on both ends of the floor I really believe it's going to it's gonna happen where he's going to play with one of his sons in the NBA. I think he's got that kind of longevity. I think he puts that kind of money and that kind of effort into his body in the offseason where he's gonna, he can play as long as – not as long as he wants, but I think if he wanted to play another six to ten years, he could. I really believe that. Um, he's no, had no significant injuries. He takes better care of his body than anybody we've ever seen. He's, he's, he's 
freakish. He's a beast. Uh, m- definitely more respect to him as a beast than Kawhi. Kawhi's Mr. Uh, Mr. Minutes Restriction. What do they call that, Spence? Uh, load management? Mr. Kawhi, load management. I can't talk, but I can sit out a game. I- I'm so sick of him. I'm so tired of Kawhi Leonard's act. I'm not buying it. You all out there can buy his act, his crap. With oh, I- I'm just a stud professional. Uh, I'm Kawhi Leonard. I'm just a I'm just a robot beast. They can't stop me. No, you're you're a crybaby, and that's what you really are. You're a champion. I'll give you that. But you're also a crybaby who sits out a lot of games. Uh, so there, go go eat a sandwich on the bench uh, the next time you want to set out a game next season because you're not winning the title next year uh, or this year. It's not going to happen. And if it does happen, I'll, I'm predicting that the Raptors beat them or anybody beats them. Because Kawhi's not winning it this year. He's not going to be the first player to win three titles with three different teams. Not that guy. Not that clown. Okay, it's not happening. So LeBron, I'll give it to. LeBron could be the third guy with three teams that could win a title. But I'm so sick of Kawhi Leonard. It's not going to happen. I mean, he's, he's just so phony to me. He's such a fake. He's, he's, he's the biggest fraud I've ever seen as far as playing this act. Mr. Quiet Guy. But behind the scenes, my uncle is facilitating me to leave and stab Toronto in the back to go to L.A. Screw you, Kawhi. And you ain't winning crap this year. Anyway, moving on. We're going to get to week one, NFL opening round series. We're going to hit every game, Spence, every game against the spread. Uh, and we may invite some of you listening. If you want to challenge myself and Spencer the Wiz to our picks, message me directly on Facebook. I'll bring you on the podcast Next week or the week after, and you can give your picks against me and the Wiz. If you beat us, you're the champion for the week, and you get to come back the next week and defend that title. So I'll throw that out there as me and Spence go down each game this week. We'll give you our picks against the spread. We're going to start it off. Jets and Bills, Wiz. Bills are going to be a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this game against the Jets. And remember, this is going to be in Buffalo, but this is games where there's not going to be many fans for many teams. And if there are fans, there's not going to be that many. I think the Jets are one of the worst teams in the league. I think bug-eyed coach Adam Gase is a joke. I think he's going to be one of the first guys to be launched this year as far as the head coaches on the chopping block. I think he has no respect in the locker room. Le'Veon Bell doesn't respect him. They traded their best safety, Jamal Adams, Sam Darnold. Hopefully he's got over some of his uh, sickness from last year as they had a debacle at quarterback when he left. I think they're the worst team uh, in the division. I think they're even worse than the Dolphins, and I think the Bills handled them easily. The coaching matchup far outweighs Buffalo and McDermott. The Bills now have added Stephon Diggs in a trade for Minnesota. They're very confident that they should have uh, beat the Texans in their playoff game last year, and they gave it up at the end. I think they've learned from that. I think they're a better team, uh, and I think they handled the Bills easily, and they cover this six-and-a-half spread. I like the Bills week one against the Jets uh, to cover that six-and-a-half. Your thoughts, Spence? Yeah, smash that Bills button. I couldn't agree more. I know Jared Allen is not the most liked quarterback of all time, but still, against the Jets, the only – to only win by a touchdown, I think, is going to be really easy. Uh, this could this like is like the highlight trap game of the week for me, but I, I still I cannot go plus six to the Jets. It's impossible. Yeah, and it could be. And look, I, I know for me personally, I'm probably going to go a lot of chalk when we run down these matchups, a lot of favorites, which I don't typically like to do, but they're favorites for a reason with the Vegas spread. And remember, we're in an unprecedented season here. Okay, we don't have preseason. We have no schematic tapes. So I'm taking into consideration 
who's leading the charge from a coaching aspect, what looks they may be giving that these other teams haven't seen, and, and continuity. What teams have cohesiveness from and momentum from last year that they're going to carry into this year in an unprecedented offseason? That plays an important role for me. So you want to talk about momentum leading into week one for this game? I'm with the Bills all the way. So give me the chalk. Give me the Bills minus six and a half. Next game in Foxborough, Dolphins are taking on the Patriots. A new look Patriots. Tom Brady clearly has moved on to Tampa Bay. Moved in in his spot, Cam Newton, under center and seemingly healthy for the Patriots as they're going to be a six-and-a-half-point favorite against the Dolphins. Tua Tagovailoa, uh, the top five draft pick of the Dolphins. He will not start the season under center. It'll be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, I, I really love the direction the Dolphins are going under Brian Flores. I just don't think they have the guns hired on the roster this year to compete. They're they're light at the running back and receiver position. Uh, they have Gusecki at tight end. They have... Parker at receiver, but Parker's their biggest threat. Uh, they're going to have to get a lot of big play from guys that we really don't know a lot about. Uh, and I don't think that they're going to be able to overcome their deficiencies as far as talent goes. I do think that they've acquired some really good draft picks. And I think they have an opportunity if Tua gets to start down the line to win some games. But it's not going to be seven, eight wins in this year. I think they'll, they'll be lucky to win four or five games. I don't think they win week one. And I really like the Patriots to win by a touchdown or more. I'm currently seeing the Patriots at six and a half. Give me the Patriots, Spence, minus six and a half. Week one in Foxborough against the Dolphins. Your thoughts? I have to agree with you there, too. I could see this being a close game, honestly. Uh, <laughs> you're a lot higher on the Patriots than I am personally. Yes, we talked about that. Uh, we we we've talked about this in, in personal time. I do not think they get at least I don't do not think they get eight wins. I, I would hit under on that. But the Dolphins are the third worst team in the NFL. They have the second worst offensive line. They're just young. I mean, that's what it comes down to. They drafted a, a center, which I'm a big fan of, but how much impact can a center have overall, especially as a rookie? I just don't think very much. And the Patriots are just a more experienced team. They've been there. They've done that better coached, and that's what it'll come down to. Next game on the board, Spence, the Cleveland Browns going to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. The Ravens won that division easily last year. They're an eight-point favorite. That line maybe have moved since that eight came out. Um, this is an interesting matchup. It's a divisional matchup. I, I, this is one of my picks of the week, and, and I'm, I'm posed a lot of people, but I like the Ravens minus the eight. I think Lamar Jackson gets off to a fast start like he did last year. I think they're clearly the better coach team with the experienced John Harbaugh leading the charge, and again, that word that I'm going to continue to, to use in a pandemic-shortened offseason with no preseason uh, is continuity. The Ravens have it. Kevin Stefanski, first-year coach, came from Minnesota after spending over a decade year as a coordinator. He has Alex Van Pelt as his offensive coordinator and some other coaches along that staff. I think it's going to take time for Stefanski to get the people he wants in there. I don't know in one year if he can mold these guys to have the continuity, the likes of Baker Mayfield, the likes of Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, who we know his story over the last uh, 72 hours about what he's in the news for, which isn't football related. So look, this looks like another distraction uh, for the Browns, even though they haven't been outwardly outspoken this offseason. I don't think that matters. I think Kevin Stefanski, like I said, checks all the boxes, but a lot of people, Corey, are out there, uh, are saying the Browns, as a big divisional dog this week, are the play. They're not the play, in my opinion. I think they get waxed, and I think they don't win eight games this year. I think Stefanski's got – he's going to have to dump and restart next year. I don't know if that means Baker, but I think some of the other guys that are looked at on paper as important players could be out. Give me the Ravens in this week one matchup, minus the eight. 
Spence? Yeah, a Stefanski without a preseason, that's just killer for a rookie coach, especially for a team that's too talented for their own good, I guess you could even say. Uh, Baker Mayfield will get punted to the moon uh, in the offseason. From what I've heard in reports, he just hasn't even been good in practice. For a, rookie, you know, for a new head coach, and we kind of see this with John Gruden, he's like foaming at the mouth to get rid of Derek Carr. Uh, it'll be the exact same thing. We'll have two probably just average years, seven wins, eight wins. They'll fire, you know, they'll get rid of their quarterback. They'll get rid of their receivers. I don't think Otto Beckham will be with the Browns next year. And they'll go from there. But obviously for this game specifically, I think it'll be a blowout, which I think was the case on in their first matchup uh, last season. I think we'll see a very similar repeat performance. Spence, next on the list, the Indianapolis Colts traveling to Jacksonville, where there will be fans in the stadium for this week one matchup. The Jags are an eight-point underdog to the Colts in this matchup. We're going to fly through these games kind of quickly moving forward as we're uh, getting a little lower on time. I like the Colts in this matchup. Another favorite I'm going with, I don't like laying the big number. But, man, I think Jacksonville losing their best offensive and defensive player uh, from last year in the same offseason. Gardner Minshew at quarterback with no preseason. He's got some playing experience from last year. But, again, this is another team that I just think is deficient uh, top to bottom from the roster. And the Colts, I think, are well coached with Frank Reich. I think they have the coaching advantage, and I think they have the player advantage. I think Philip Rivers is, is in a really good situation. Give me the Colts minus eight. I'll lay the lumber against Jacksonville. Minus eight seems like a lot, but Jacksonville has one goal in line this season, and that's Trevor Lawrence. So I will tend to agree with you there. Uh, next matchup, Eagles taking on the Washington football team. Washington is a six-point underdog in that matchup. Man, I really would love to go Washington here, Spence, but I do not trust Dwayne Haskins at all. I didn't last year, and it's hard for me to do it in an offseason where there's no preseason and not a lot of film to look at. Man, I would really like if I knew that Alex Smith worked with Haskins all year and has really stepped up his game. I, I would personally choose to stay away from this one, but since I've got to give a pick, I'm again going to take the favorite. Give me the Eagles minus the six in this matchup against the Washington football team. Yeah, I hate to take the favorites again too because obviously not all the favorites are going to win in week one. Right. But again, Washington is one of those teams that's just going to win three to four games this season and there's nothing – I don't see this game being close. It is divisional, so if there is a weak point, it's right there. No fans though, so it's mutual playing ground. These two teams, the Eagles, are just tremendously more talented. The next matchup, another divisional matchup, and I'm going to take a dog in this next one. The Bears are taking on the Lions. Lions sitting at a three-point favorite. I like the Bears, Spence. I really do. I I, I don't like their coach a whole lot, Matt Nagy, uh, but I am higher on Mitch Trubisky than a lot of people are. I, I think he's able to extend plays with his legs, and all I've heard out of camp is he's had a really great camp, and I like their weapons. I like the fact that Cordero Patterson will, will be have another year with the Bears and be able to be used. I like Anthony Miller. I like Ro- Robinson. I like some of their weapons and some of the guys out of the backfield also. And, of course, Khalil Mack and some of the weapons on defense. Um, I think they can stay within that number. I know it's a short number at three. Uh, but the Lions have got to prove to me that they're ready to take the next step. And until they are, I'm going to lean with the Bears. Give me the points plus three Bears versus Lions. I I would not take the Bears minus three, but I will take them uh, plus three with you. I think the, the Lions are poised to make a playoff run next year. And I think that's where this line comes that? from. I, I'm seeing the Lions as the favorite. No, no you're right. I'm just saying personally, okay. I, I would not. I wouldn't bet on the Bears minus three, but I will take the plus three. So I will agree with you there. Trubisky can't hit, can't hit the broad side of the barn. Uh, I think he sucks, so we do disagree there. But 
it, it'll be enough defensively. I, I think there'll be enough mistakes from the Lions uh, to make that at least a plus three game. Next divisional matchup, Packers against the Vikings. And that line is moved. I'm seeing it three, but I know for sure that it's moved to one and a half of the Vikings. Nobody in the stands in that game. But the big news coming out of Minnesota, all pro superstar defensive end Daniil Hunter has been placed on the IR. And with the new rules this year, that means he'll only miss three games out of Vikings camp. It's saying it's precautionary. Uh, but filling in for Hunter will be Efedi Adetabo. If you don't know that name, it, it's probably likely that you don't, but as a diehard Vikings fan, I do know that name. And I can tell you he scored two defensive touchdowns last year for the Vikings, and he's an emerging star on the defensive line. He's nowhere near Daniel Hunter, but the kid can play. Uh, so I don't know, am I willing to to knock the Vikings a point and a half without having Hunter? Possibly he's that good, especially against Aaron Rodgers. But where the Vikings were deficient last year against Green Bay was stopping the run. Aaron Jones ran up and down them in both matchups. The Vikings are going to have to shore that up if they're going to get the victory. I think they can. Uh, I like the way their defense is going. I do trust Zimmer, and I trust those secondary pieces. And Green Bay, another year uh, of not making a lot of splashes in the offseason. That being said, they drafted Jordan Love with the first pick instead of uh, going with uh, help for Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going to lean towards the Vikings. Give me the Vikings minus one and a half. Spence? Although uh, Green Bay has had the worst training camp of all of football, Jordan Love is the third string quarterback. A.J. Dillon, their second round pick, is their third string running back. I am going to lean Packers here. I want to see what the effect of losing Stefan Diggs is before I go in on the Vikings on tough matchups. Uh, I agree with you. Let's run down the rest of these quickly, Spence. Seattle against Atlanta. Atlanta is a one-and-a-half-point dog. Man, Seattle is tough to go against. Um with Russell Wilson under center, but Atlanta typically pays them, plays them tough, especially without having to tra travel West coast to play Seattle. I like the pieces Atlanta's put together. Give me the dog here. I'll take Atlanta. Uh, I'm going Seattle. I, I am a fan of the Falcons this season. I think they have a chance to make the playoffs, especially an expanded playoff format. But uh, for week one, I will take Seattle. Next matchup, I know how you feel here, Spencer. The uh, Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the Raiders currently sit as a three-point favorite. I think uh, first-year head coach Matt Rule, Teddy Bridgewater under center for a new system, young secondary in Carolina. Uh, I like Gruden, love Mayock. I'm going Raiders here. Uh, Raiders have the worst secondary in the league, and they're also starting two rookie uh, receivers on the outside. So I'm taking the Panthers all day. I think the Raiders will be one of the worst teams in football. All right, Benny Superfly's team, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, going to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. The Bengals are a three-point favorite. Spence, you talked about trap games. Uh, this one sticks out to me because you got uh, a first-year quarterback, first overall pick, that doesn't have any tape, no preseason game, and they're only a three-point dog. Uh, that's fishy to me. And it's crazy, and I'm sorry, Benny, but I'm going Bengals here plus the three. I do trust Joe Burrow. And I just think there's too many questions with the Chargers right now. Herbert, no Herbert. I'm going Bengals plus three. Go ahead, Spence. You're crazy. I, I got to take the Chargers. <laughs> I, I love Joe Burrow. I'm a big fan. I, he was just really fun to watch in college. But there's no way. The Chargers are just a better team. All right. I, I'm going to go dog again in our next matchup. Cardinals versus 49ers. 49ers were the NFC representative in the Super Bowl. They're a seven-point favorite. If you watched both of the matchups last year, the Cardinals played them tough each and every matchup. The Cardinals are more loaded this year, adding DeAndre Hopkins. I like the Cardinals. Give me the Cardinals plus seven, traveling to take on the Niners. Ah, uh, you're crazy for that. 49ers are going to blow them out. 
All right, next game, Tampa Bay against the New Orleans Saints could be the matchup of the weekend. Tom Brady making his debut uh, for the Buccaneers, a divisional matchup, and they always play the Saints tough early in the season, but it's a whole new look for the Bucs. I still like it. I think the Bucs went out, outright. That's my money line pick of the week, plus 165. Give me the Bucs to win over the Saints week one. I'm taking the Saints. I think the Bucs uh, – I think it's just a tough matchup week one. The Saints have a ton of continuity, as you, as you talked about. Tom Brady said he's not completely comfortable. That's enough to pivot the game for me. I think he lied. I think he's totally comfortable. Next matchup, <laughs> we only got three more to go. Cowboys against the Rams. Uh, the Rams are a home three-point dog. Nobody in the stands there. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean with Dak and the Cowboys. First-year coach Mike McCarthy has got a little bit of an advantage. I'm a little down on the, on the Rams this year, but give me the Cowboys. I'll take them as the road favorite. Give me the Cowboys. Yeah, the Rams, the Rams are terrible. So uh, I'm going to take the Cowboys easily in that game. All right. The Monday night games, two of them to finish off. Steelers and Giants in New York. No fans there. Giants, five and a half point dogs. First year coach, Joe Judge. It would go against everything I said to take the Giants here. I don't like, I really hate the Steelers. I don't think they're any good. I don't think they've been good. Um, but I definitely can't take first year coach, Joe Judge. <laughs> And Danny Dimes without an offseason. Uh, so begrudgingly, I'm going to lay the lumber with the road favorite. I'm going to take the Steelers minus the five and a half. Steelers have the best defense in the league. This is an easy. This is the. This is my for sure bet of the week. Okay, the Steelers so are going to dominate. I'm hesitantly taking the Steelers. You love it. Okay, so we're both on the Steelers. And finally, the Broncos traveling to Mile High to take on – I'm sorry, the Titans traveling to Mile High to take on the Broncos. And I'm seeing the Titans as a, a small road favorite, minus one and a half. I like the Titans. I think this is a huge psychological blow losing Von Miller. And the Titans are going to bring some momentum from last season. They had a great run, and I think they carry it and go onto the road and get a victory against Denver. Titans are too hyped up, and they got the uh, the number one uh, you know free agent left in free agency, which was Clowney. That's going to pull the momentum, and also losing Von Miller, it's enough to swing the game. I take Titans. That's true. Okay, we'll hit the outro music, Spence. We'll get to Believer's Confessions on Tuesday. Sorry we didn't hit it today, but we'll keep track of all of our picks, and we'll give them to you when we come back on Tuesday, and we'll review opening week 2020 of the NFL season. Hey, guys, thanks for checking in. Dave Perry, Benny Superfly, Corey Fulton. For Spencer the Wiz, I'm Brad the Believer. If you missed any part of the show, you can go back and search any of the podcast platforms, Audio Boom, Spotify, Apple iTunes, at Landry Football Conference. Go there and search Brad the Believer. Have a great weekend, guys. We'll see you live again on Tuesday. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus